The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of Black Talk Radio News and any guests represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Hello and welcome to this Black Talk Radio News commentary. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Uh, On this particular podcast, I want to talk about the Willie Lynch letter and some of the concepts in the Willie Lynch letter. And it is a myth. And I do want to dispel that this, I guess I shouldn't call it a myth, um, but it is not a real letter. It was no person by the name of Willie Lynch. He did not write a letter in 1712 when he was in Virginia. Um, That's all was made up. And I'm going to share with you you know, the facts detailing that. And I think it's important because I see if you Google Willie Lynch letter, there are some uh, websites or platforms that you will come across that are portraying this as a real letter when it's not. But can you learn from that letter? Is there some concepts that are in play in that letter? Now, in addition to talking about Willie Lynch, I want to talk about Afro-Christophobia, which is a term that I coined um, to describe behaviors of Black people's treatment towards other Black people that classify themselves as Christian or Black Christians or Afro-Christians. So I came up with the term Afro-Christophobia to discuss the hate that Black people produce towards other Black people who identify as such. All right, so what got me started on this, a person who used to be part of the Black Talk Radio Network platform doing a live stream was engaged in some Afro-Christophobia last year. And I mean, he was really childish about it. He was really doing it almost every other day. I can tell he has a lot of hatred in his heart for black Christians as if they created white supremacy or if they are, as if they are enabling white supremacy. And that's a shame. Um, Why I do not wear my religious belief or spirituality on my sleeve, I am not ashamed. Like Marcus uh, Josiah Garvey said about himself, I'm not ashamed to be a, a black Christian. I'm just simply not, okay, because y'all don't, people don't know the experiences that I have had throughout my life where God manifested uh, himself in my life, where I felt like, you know, without the explanation of God's favor, that those things wouldn't have went in my favor. It, it was just impossible. I have faced some impossible um circumstances in my life and I was not harmed by them because of my faith in Christ. So, but anyway, let's go ahead and kick it off with this Willie Lynch letter. And because it does have some concepts that we can use. So let me pull that up, but it is a myth. I just want to make that clear. Uh, Historian dispels myths surrounding slavery, forgery, revealed through confession from the source. And this is an article that was written way back in 2014 by Myra Garcia. Um, Again, this has been around for decades, uh, the Willie Lynch letter being circulated among black people. And it is being inaccurately described as an authentic, you know, piece of history. 
All right, so I think this is a very important article, so I'm going to try to share as much as I can. So it says, to explain and promote his book, The Death of the Willie Lynch Speech History, Professor Manu Ampian further explained his process of exposing the myth. Students and faculty gathered in the library on November the 5th to get a sense of the importance in Professor Ampin's piece. The book was published in 2013. The Willie Lynch speech is a document that briefly addresses slave masters on how to control black people, Ampin said. The speech is a myth, he said. Through primary research, firsthand research, or going directly to a source for information, Ampin said he had been presented with a confession letter. The confession of the alleged forger of the Willie Lynch speech novelist, Dr. Kwabana Fahim Ashanti, was all Ampin needed to fully support the finding in his research. Professor Ampin explained the process he took in order to come out with the truth in his book. When he mentioned anti-slavery activists and pro-slavery activists, he said none mentioned the Willie Lynch speech. Okay, so I guess he was doing research on people like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, um, any other people that were speaking out especially from the Confederate States of America when they tried to succeed from the U.S. government to preserve slavery. Um, I imagine, you know, he looked up some of their speeches as well. And so these, none of these people ever mentioned uh, Willie Lynch or the Willie Lynch speech in any of their writings. All right, so in the process of presenting his case, he wrote an essay explaining the reasons why the speech was a myth. The arising questions for clarification and feedback he received enabled him to write a second response essay, which led to a third. The first speech became known in 1933 after St. Louis, Missouri librarian Ann Taylor received a document from an anonymous source, Ampin said. The document was then published in the St. Louis Black Pages, ninth edition. Documents do not just appear that way, he said. One good reason why the document made no sense was because of references that were made and not made, Ampin said. He pointed out that there had been no specific country mentioned in the document. There had also been no region during 1712 referred to as the South, he said. All colonies had been linked at the time. An even greater remark had been the term black when referring to people of color. No one used black because that is a 20th century term, he said, not only using the term itself, but also the capitalization of the word. There were other terms, he said, that were foolproof or refueling. So let me correct something right there because in my research, I have come across um, letters that was written, speeches, you know, that was transcribed from that time period. And you had like the first black codes appear, I believe it was in the Virginia uh, colony. And this is when there was a first restriction of firearms being carried, not just by victims of slavery, but by free black people as well. Free black people are, uh, have entirely been erased from the American historical record, you know, the popular historical record that they put out. You would think there was no free black people, even though 
you know, if you go deep into research, you will find that even those who were enslaved at the time of the American Revolution um, were given manu what's known as manumission or their freedom for serving in the Continental Army. Um, and then some also fought for the British for the same promise of freedom, although most of those people who were free went to Canada um, at, at during that time and, and, you know, had these settlements in Canada. Um, but I have come across, you know, uh, different people referring to people or themselves as black in a couple of speeches from the 1800s. So I kind of disagree with that, that point right there. Okay, um, but in all findings had not evidently been enough. Ampim said the chronologically had been the biggest issue. He said there had been no evidence of a Willie Lynch on plantation or had there been any physical evidence of his existence. So that means like he wasn't in any kind of census reports, um, any property um, documentations like deeds and things like that, um, any record of them voting or serving on a jury, none of that kind of supporting evidence to prove that this person uh, even exists. Um, so let me go on. Let's see, it goes on to say, and all findings had not evidently been enough. Amprin said the chronologically had been the biggest issue. Okay, I read that part. Half of the country's history is based on slavery, which is bad enough, he said. He then criticized the fact that the writer of the document also failed to give an outline of action for control. Sociology major, uh, Tumia Moore, could not agree more with Professor Ampin. Moore said she loved the professor's speech and thought it was good to have people hear his story. The speech was thorough and clear. Amenta Mickles, Human Service Department chairperson, said she said some of her students had made comments about what they learned. They agreed the eagerness Ampin displayed was wonderful. After the event, students lined up to purchase his book. I don't believe in deception, he said. The ideal was disrespectful and unnecessary. Um, I think that I missed a part where a person had um, the confession of alleged forger of the Willie Lynch speech novelist, Dr. Kwabana Fahima Shanti, was all Ampton needed to fully support the finding in his research. So, um, it's saying that this first appeared in the 1930s, right? And no, it first became known in 1993, my mistake, my mistake. So uh, yeah, this person, uh, Professor Ampin was able to prove that this letter is a myth, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, it does speak to some of the divisions. So, it wouldn't be hard to come up with a, such a letter and concept, you know, e even though it's a fictional account. So let's go to the Willie Lynch letter and let's just read some from this fix fictitious uh, speech and, and letter attributed to a person who didn't exist, Willie Lynch, but it's still some stuff we can learn from it. Willie Lynch letter, The Making of a Slave. The following is the introduction to a speech said to have been delivered by Willie Lynch on the bank of the James River in the colony of Virginia in 1712. 
Lynch is said to have been a British slave owner in the West Indies. He was invited to the colony of Virginia in 1712 to teach his methods to owners of enslaved Africans. So that means then that Professor Ampim would have been looking at British or, or the United Kingdom uh, archives and documentation of plantation owners and slavers and, you know, citizens of the crown at the time and, and so there's just no supporting evidence all right but it goes on this is the letter gentlemen i greet you here on the bank of the james river in the year of our lord 1712 first i shall thank you the gentleman of the colony of virginia for bringing me here i am here to help you solve some of your problems with slaves your invitation reached me on my modest plantation in the west indies where i have experimented with some of the newest and still the oldest methods for control of slave slaves ancient rome would envy us if my program is implemented as our boat sailed south on the james river named for our illustrious king whose version of the bible we cherish i saw enough to know that your problem is not unique while rome used cords of wood as crosses for standing human bodies along its highways in great numbers you are here using a tree and a rope on occasions i caught the whiff of a dead slave hanging from a tree a couple of miles back you are not only losing valuable stock by hangings, you are having uprising. Slaves are running away. Your crops are, are sometimes left in the fields too long for maximum profit. You suffer occasional fires. Your animals are killed. Gentlemen, you know what your problems are. I do not need to elaborate. I am not here to enumerate your problems. I am here to introduce you to a method of solving them. In my bag here, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. And, and being someone who has read a lot of old letters and stuff, this does sound like, like the words of a, per, of, of a modern person living today just the way the language is you know it doesn't sound like somebody using the old english as they was used to say or the king's english it sounds like an american wrote this someone using what's known as american english uh let's see it says three methods my simple my method is simple any member okay let me back up i think i went too far okay uh I am not here to enumerate your problems. I'm here to introduce you to a method of solving them. In my bag here, I have a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control the slaves for at least 300 years. And so again, you know, why I have heard of black people in the 1800s referring to themselves as black. And then when you look at the black codes of Virginia, and a lot of those co colony uh, black codes was based on uh, French codes. Uh, I think it was like Noir or Noir, which means black N-O-I-R. Um, but no, they were calling black folks Negroes back then. It, it wasn't until the 1960s that uh, black became a common term to or a common word to use to refer to African-Americans, African descendant people. Uh, it, uh, in the 1950s, you know, up until the 1950s, it was always Negro. All right. So this is called paying attention to detail. But of course, you have to have been a researcher or avid reader of history to pick up on 
these little clues that this isn't real. All right, so it goes on to say these methods have worked on my modest plantation in the West Indies, Indies and it will work throughout the South. Take this simple little list of differences and think about them. On top of my list is age. Now he's listing the things that he's going to use to divide black people, victims of slavery. All right, so it says on the top of my list is age, but it's there only because it starts with an A. The second is color or shade. Now, another clue right there, uh, British people who speak the King's English do not spell color, C-O-L-O-R. Um, they use a U uh, in their spelling. All right, so that's a clue right there. So the second is color or shade. There is intelligence, size, sex, sizes of plantation, status on plantations, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley, on a hill, east, west, north, south, have fine hair, coarse hair, or is tall or short. So, I mean, this is getting to be kind of absurd, don't you think? Oh, you know, like, like Black people was going to be territorial back then, you know, like they own own the plantation in the east or in the west and and if you went in from the wrong area of, of the region then it's gonna be trouble it's gonna be some gangsterism going on <laughs> i mean it's not funny but you know it, it is kind of uh now but one thing guess what wasn't listed there to uh as one of the um things that they would he would use to cause division among victims of slavery. He did not mention religion, didn't use spirituality, didn't use any of that, but he did use color and age and certainly colorism and ageism, uh, also called a generational divide has been an issue in the black community, okay? But this has been an issue I imagine all over the world and not just connected to the enslavement of Africans. I think colorism, you know, exists all over the world. And, and so, yeah. Now, it says, now that you have a list of differences, I shall give you an outline of action. But before that, I shall assure you that distrust is stronger than trust and envy stronger than adulation, respect, or admiration. The black slaves after receiving this indoctrination shall carry on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male and the young black male against the old black male. So we're talking about a generational divide. You must use the dark-skinned slaves versus the light-skinned slaves and the light-skinned slaves versus the dark-skinned slaves. You must use the female versus the male. Now we're getting into genderism here. Oh, I don't know if that's a real term or maybe I just coined one, but you know, there is, um, there is, there has been an issue of anti-black male in the black community. So yeah. Yeah, and, and male versus the female, misogyny, using misogyny. All right, you must also have white servants and overseers who distrust all Blacks. 
but it is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. They must love, respect, and trust only us. Gentlemen, these kids are for your, your keys to control. Use them. Have your wives and children use them. Never miss an opportunity of use intensely. For one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Talking about distrustful of each other. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, so... I've seen a number of websites uh, that has presented this as actually being an authentic document from a verified source of a person named Willie Lynch who didn't exist. So if he didn't exist, he didn't write this letter. And again, it's, you, it's using the wrong spelling for color for it to be coming from somebody who was reportedly, you know, a British, a subject of the King of Britain. Uh, so yes, yeah, so just a whole lot of clues. I'm not going to rehash that. So I thought it was interesting. The one thing that is not in this letter is religion, but that is something that black people use to trash, bash, denigrate, uh, other black people with, especially, especially, specifically, because I never heard anybody else bashing anyone, any black person who was practicing, uh, let's say, voodoo or practicing uh, Buddhism or or any of the other religions, you know, throughout the world. Nobody gets bashed more than black Christians in terms of using religion. But this was not part of the Willie Lynch. A letter colorism was and I just did a podcast on colorism with people having a problem with the lighter skin actor Will Smith even though he's not that light skin but he was certainly he's certainly lighter than Richard Williams uh the father of Venus and Serena Williams tennis champions and he coached them you know taught them to play tennis although he never played tennis himself uh, learned the game and taught them, and they grew up to be champions. So the Williams sisters uh, have produced a film, and Will Smith was cast to play it. And and so, you know, we had these people hating on, on Will Smith color, saying that he shouldn't play it. He sh they should have got somebody darker. I don't know if they tried to reach out to Wesley Snipes or Delroy Lindo, particularly, you know, darker skin actors and what have you. Um, but again, you know, people will find any reason to tear down uh, something that Black people is doing, you know, without warrant. You know, none of us are above criticism. In fact, we should try to hold each other to higher standards and, and, and what have you. But oftentimes we see people uh, lobbing undue criticism at people uh, trying to destroy their character and the work that they are engaged in. So I um, decided tonight that I was going to delve into Afro-Christophobia, the hate that Black people produce towards other Black people. And I will explain that title uh, later, but I think Willie Lynch, you know, I just had to set that up. Um, the Willie Lynch letter, just to point out, you know, even though it's fictional, there are things we can learn from it, or we see uh, Black people mistreating Black people along like the color lines, along like the generational uh, divide and what have you. Um, but 
this will be, I guess, the second podcast that I've done in my, what, fit 14 years, um, because I started Black Talk Radio Network in 2008 and the Black Talk Radio News Podcast, but I actually started my first talk radio show in 2007, so that's what, about 14 years, uh, the name of that podcast or program was One Black Man's uh, View, all right? And so this will be the only the second time I've ever touched upon religion as a main topic. And it's not really, I'm not really focused on religion, but the division that some Black people uh, create by bashing other Black Christians or bashing Black Christians, because obviously they wouldn't be Christians if they are bashing them. All right, so I was listening to... Um, a Facebook live stream, which I thought was very educational by a former guest on Black Talk Radio News by the name of Cleo Monago. Cleo Monago, uh, check him out if you have a chance. But he did a Facebook live and there was a person um, who used to have, I don't know if this person still has the Facebook live stream they did. And we used to pick up the live stream and broadcast it live on our radio station, our digital radio station, Black Talk Radio Network. But this person uh, was engaging in Afro-Christophobia almost on a daily basis. So I came up with that term Afro-Christophobia to explain again, the behavior of black people towards black Christians. Okay. and. Um, how it's just not constructive and it's often um they're using stereotypes and tropes that are inaccurate and they attribute to all you know black people's problems to being you know because of christianity um just yesterday i saw somebody share a meme um using more fake <laughs> you know fake narratives about slave owners, and I don't like calling them slave owners, but slavers, uh, using Christianity to enslave Black people's minds or African minds. And that just simply uh, is not true. I had actually a couple of weeks ago was doing some reading and came across um, a reading from a slaver who had wrote a letter where, uh, or it was a account being given where he was telling his uh, victims of slavery that they were forbidden from practicing Christianity because it was putting quote unquote ideals in their heads. And you know, when you look at uh, black people like Harriet Tubman, who was known as the black Moses, Moses being a biblical character who led his uh, people out of slavery, Okay, in, in the book of Exodus of the Bible, and a lot of these victims of slavery were identifying with the African, you know, uh, victims of slavery in the Bible that were allegedly enslaved by uh, Egypt, right? Okay, so, and in case you're wondering why I would practice a religion where I'm calling people in the Bible fictional characters. I'm questioning whether or not Egypt actually had, had victims of slavery, build the pyramids. A long time ago, I had a spirit. I came to, I guess you would call um, spiritual identity crisis. 
where I was actually contemplating becoming a Muslim, um, uh, one of the more traditional sects of, of Islam, not joining the NOI, uh, the Nation of Islam, which was created here in the United States in the what late 19th century. It's, it's not that old. I'm 54. It's not that much older um, than me. But anyway, anyway, when I had this crisis, you know, I, I conversate, conversate with the creator in my spirit. And I asked him, I said, hey, it's so many different religions out here. How I know I'm following you, you know, following the right path. Because I was raised as a child to believe in Christ, to read the Bible, believe the teachings of Christ, try to use those as principles to live by. Hey, I was, I was taught that as a child. Now I'm a man. And I was in Saudi Arabia at the time, and it just got through reading Malcolm X's biography, and then was wanting to be like him, you know. Be I, I believe he joined the Sunni Muslim sect after he left. Um, yeah, he he became a Sunni, um, not a Shia, but a Sunni after he left the Nation of Islam after becoming disillusioned uh, with uh, Elijah Muhammad and the stuff that he was teaching. Um, and, you know, cause he talks about at one time when I was saying things about white people and, and, and talking trash about people, I, I was just repeating what I was taught by Elijah Muhammad. But now I've come into my own mind and understanding, uh, and had, you know, other experiences that changed my mind on that. So I was wanting to be like Malcolm. I want to be like Malcolm. I was contemplating becoming, um, a Muslim. Because I was also over there doing their holy month of Ramadan at being in the U.S. Army as a soldier during the, the Gulf War. And so I had that spiritual crisis and, and the spirit spoke out to my spirit and told me that I'm on the right path, that Christ is the right path and the only path to, to salvation. But everything in the Bible ain't true. That's why... Uh, uh, people in the Bible have talked about, gave warnings about changing, um, you know, scripture and stuff saying, you know, that that's pretty, that's, that's pretty uh, um, high on the list in terms of sin is, is changing the word of God, changing the scriptures that was given to the people. Um, and so that's why I'm a Christian. I don't believe everything in the Bible happened. I have uh, problems with some of the stuff that's in the Bible. And again, nothing that man has had a hand in putting together is, is going to be uh, foolproof. It's going to be susceptible to error, deception, and what have you. So I hope, I hope that was a good explanation. But anyway, so I was on Mr. Monago's uh, live stream and people was typing stuff in the, in the chat box because he was taking... Uh, reading the statements, answering questions, giving his thoughts on what was being uh, stated. Again, I'm talking about Cleo Monago. And then a person, that person I mentioned earlier was in the chat too, and he's going to bring up Christianity and how a black, you know, radio platform owner kicked him off because of Christianity. No, I didn't kick you off because I'm a Christian. I kicked you off because you were very disrespectful very childish, very immature in your in your attacks on black Christians and, and considering the fact that black Christ, a black Christian 
created the Black Talk Radio Network and you didn't have a problem with me, you didn't have a problem with the network or anything on the network because you didn't know I was a Black Christian. I wonder if you knew if I was a Black Christian, would you still want to be on Black Talk Radio Network? But not only am I a Black Christian who created the platform as a safe digital space for Black people to discuss uh, social political issues, specifically racism and a system of white supremacy that that uh, dominates Black life all o- over the planet. Um, and I normally didn't, you know, I normally, again, this is only the second time I ever got into my personal beliefs. I ran a sec- Black Talk Radio News is secular. Black Talk Radio Network is secular and religion does come up, but nobody's trying to convert anybody to one religion or the other. That's a host or podcaster on the platform. So, you know, he want to try to call me out in the chat without using my name, but I know who he talking to. I know who he talking about because, you know, I know him and I know what happened between us. And so, I mean, what kind of fool would I be to allow this person to sit up there and denigrate black people, black institutions with all of this, this, um, these stereotypical tropes about black people and these false myths about Christianity put chains on, on black people's minds and, and considering that I'm a Christian myself and other black Christians help fund the platform with their tax deductible donations to the Black Talk Media Project. Why would I want that on my platform? Okay. So, you know, he, he's still salty about that. All right. So that led me to write. Sometimes when I get frustrated, I write stuff or I I talk about it. And this me talking about it during this broadcast is a way for me to work through this therapy. So I'm just going to share with you um, what I wrote about it. So uh, this person critically called me out in the chat room because he is still salty because I kicked his program on Black Talk Radio Network years ago because of his own air Afro-Christophobia, a term I came up with to describe the behavior of Black people using hurtful, hateful, mean-spirited, and often factually incorrect opinions of Black Christians specifically in Christianity in general. Are there some mean-spirited, hateful Black Christians? Of course there are. But using those individuals to attack the beliefs and spiritual practices of hundreds of millions of Black Christians worldwide is to traffic in stereotypes. It is also incorrect to judge Black Christians by the actions of white Christians, especially evangelicals who do not exhibit any fruits of the Spirit that's talked about in the Bible nor following the teachings of Christ. These people are also known as charlatans, false teachers, and hypocrites, whom Jesus had little patience towards and scolded them for their behavior. See, all that kind of stuff is in the Bible. Um, On my radio program podcast, I speak very little about religion or spirituality because it is a secular news program and on a secular platform that I built as a safe digital space for Black people to speak on social and political issues, including white supremacy terrorism. I keep my personal opinions about the nation of Islam, and I do have opinions about them. Uh, The Catholic Church, Islam, Buddhism, Wiccans, practitioners of voodoo to myself. I keep those opinions to myself because I am informed by my astro, my Afro-Christo 
beliefs that love seeks not to offend anyone. You don't, if, if you acting in love towards people, even though they they may be in error in how they behave, and you're not going to seek to offend them, especially not intentionally offend them with, with childish, you know, derogatory, immature remarks. The only people I share an opinion about are racist white terrorists and the non-white proxies they employ to confuse people and maintain a, a wicked system. That doesn't mean you don't call them out or their evil deeds, but I can do that without insulting their religious or spiritual beliefs, which people are very fervent to the point of cultish-like defenses of their brand of religi religiosity. And so I remember back, back in, man, this would be the early 2000s when Black Planet dot com was really big with black people this is before facebook this is before twitter this was before all of these all of these different social media platforms you had a uh, black planet which i was uh, a proud member of and and loved it but you know the platform needs to catch up with the times i think i visited them last year um you know um but i I came across this guy that was in the Nation of Islam who was like saying this really off the wall offensive stuff. And so, you know, I got in, I got into a verbal, you know, debate or dispute with him. I wasn't as codified back then as I am now, um, but I still was in error. Um, but anyway, she, my one of my cousins was very concerned. She was like, man, you better lead them Blake them black Muslims alone, they'll kill you. And, and guess what? Guess who killed Malcolm X? So, you know, she was right to say that, that, that these people have been known to murder people. And she was very concerned uh, for my safety. All right. Um, but that's not the reason today that I don't say nothing about, about them or the, or some of the stuff I disagree with them because it ain't important in my programming, in the topics that I discuss, okay? Um, so, you know, you ain't never seen me engaging in that kind of bashing. Now, if, if Minister Farrakhan put out something that I feel is harmful and incorrect, or it's just an interesting topic, I will not shy away uh, from talking about it, okay? I just won't do it. Why should I? I'm not a coward, no. <laughs> but, you know, people belong, people, um, have this, they worship celebrities, which is a form of idolatry. And yes, many are even Christian pre uh, preachers are worshiped and, you know, like they're a deity and, and stuff. They just have have a lock on people's minds. And, and again, this is all throughout the world in religion and outside of, of a religious context, you know. And, and there you say so, something about uh, their dear leader that they don't like. Oh man, they'll try to do some harm to you. Now, this is this is what I say to people like that. If if you're that want to, you know, join Black Talk Radio Network and engage in Afro Christophobia, you know, you're not don't bring that to my platform because that's not what it was built for. It was built to bring like-minded Black people together because I know there'll never be. 100% uh, black unity, you know, because of Willie Lynch type behaviors, colorism, ageism, all that type of stuff. Again, Willie Lynch letter is a myth. 
because Willie Lynch didn't exist. All right. But, I, you know, I said that if Afro-Christophobia is so important to you to engage in, then you can, one, build your own platform, or two, stay right there on Facebook or go to YouTube. The white corporate owners of these platforms don't care if you trash black people, whether they're Christians or not, because you know Willie Lynch concepts are employed even if the Willie Lynch letter is not authentic. So excuse me if I want my platform to solve more problems than it causes black people. And in closing, if you got such a problem with us black Christians, then stop holding up people like Nat Turner, Denmark v v Vesey or VC, Gabriel Prosser, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, and other black Christians who helped run the Underground Railroad or fought in the Civil War to end chattel slavery. Now, again, it's countless and countless of, um, I shouldn't say countless, but there are plenty of black Christians such as Nat Turner and, Her and, and uh, Frederick Douglass who got free by any means necessary or attempted to get free by any means necessary. And they were Christians. And, they were, and, and Christianity did not put a chain on their mind to keep them stuck in slavery, you know, in mental bondage as these haters, because that's what they are, like to say, in fact, it was quite the opposite. Um, Nat Turner said God gave him a vision. And again, he's a Christian. The guy gave him a vision um, to rise up and, and start a rebellion and murder these evil people. Um, Harriet Tubman uh, said that she used to have visions uh, from God and what have you. Um, but in addition uh, to those people I just mentioned, we have the Black nationalist leaders of old, like Henry McNeil Turner, Martin Delaney, who I identify as the father of Black nationalism. I could be wrong about that until I find information that, that proves me to be incorrect. Then there's Henry Highland Garnett, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, and many, many, many others. You know, Garvey often said, well, I shouldn't say often, but I read accounts of him saying, we are not ashamed um, of our uh, confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord, you know. And I see a lot of these uh, uh, Afro-Christophobic people citing Marcus Garvey, but bashing Christians, then why are you following Marcus Garvey? Why are you following them, you know? Um, so stop uplifting them as your hero because you hate black Christians, according to you. You despise us. So, you know, just in case you was wondering, Black Talk Radio, or I need to make it more clear, Black Talk Radio Network is, was not built and is not here for your unwarranted hatred of Black people and certainly will not provide anyone a platform to engage in this form of hate. Call it hate, call it hate speech, whatever you will is hate. And, and, and I'm not here for that. And again, this is one of the reasons besides uh, ageism and colorism that black people are constantly squabbling with each other, which renders them uh, ineffective towards combating or countering white supremacy, right? And so I, I said, you know, the hate that black people produce towards other black people I suspect I could be wrong, but I suspect 
that this started with the nation of Islam. Because Malcolm, uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad had Malcolm X out there just trashing black Christians and particularly Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. And why, why would you do something like that? What was Dr. King doing that was so wrong? Okay. in, in pushing for the respect of black people and the treatment of black people as equal citizens of the United States with all the privileges and amenities that, that come with that. But what was he doing wrong? No, what, what I believe the focus of the, or the intent of Elijah Muhammad in the nation of Islam and have a Malcolm X attack Dr. King and black Christians like that was that they were trying to recruit black people to their religion so that they could get those coins and those dollar bills or what have you into their collection plates. Okay. Uh, Elijah Muhammad uh, died a very, very rich man. I think he was estimated to work, be worth about $5 million, you know, um, living lavishly as, as they say. And I believe that's, that's where this black uh, Christian bashing became in vogue or in fashion, if you will, simply uh, recruiting. And, and in case y'all don't know, cause some people like to freeze Malcolm X in time when he was serving Elijah Muhammad in the nation of Islam, he recanted or he, um, uh, I lost the word I was looking for, but he apologized and said that he was incorrect in attacking Dr. King and wanted to work with Dr. King and he wanted to work with black Christians. And he created an organization called Afro-American, um, the Organization for African-American Unity and saying that it was gonna be non-religious. That's the reason why Black Talk Radio Network is secular and non-religious. But he wanted all of people of their different religions to come together, black people to come together and work together to, to combat racism and the global system of white supremacy. All right, so I don't have anything else to say on the matter. Certainly interested in any comments that people would like to share in the comment sections. And perhaps, you know, I, uh, if interesting enough, I will come back on a later podcast and address what you said. So Afro-Christophobia is the hate that Black people produce towards other Black people that's, that's certainly playing into Willie Lynch letter concepts of how to divide Black people, except for it wasn't Willie Lynch who came up with this concept. It was actually another Black religious institution to attack Black Christians. This has been Scotty Reed with a Black Talk Radio News Commentary. Remember that you can make a tax-deductible donation to the nonprofit media organization, Black Talk Media Project, to support all of our media efforts and different platforms and projects that we have had going on. That said, peace and blessings to all.